Thank you for tuning in to the Sunset Church of Christ podcast. This lesson is titled, An Approved Church Edifies Itself, and this lesson was preached on October 6, 2019. We now go to that sermon. A few weeks ago, we began talking about what it means to be a church that is approved by God. We see how in Scripture we're told that the church is God's eternal purpose. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11 teaches us that. We understand that the church, Acts chapter 20 says, was purchased with the blood of Christ. The church is something very important as the bride of Christ to God. And the local congregation has an important task in ensuring that we are doing the things that are approved by God. You remember how, uh, now it's been over a month, that we talked how Revelation chapter 2 and 3, a letter to seven churches, seven congregations, gave us an understanding of what it means to be approved as a local church. Approved churches, churches pursue the purposes of God. They pursue the purpose of God in order that they are approved by God. And from that study, we said that the New Testament reveals there are six purposes that a local church is to have. We've talked about evangelism, and we've talked about worship as two of those purposes. We haven't yet reached the study of organization, a purpose given to the church that it properly organizes itself according to the pattern. That a church enacts the care of the saints called benevolence. And that a church focuses on its purity, its purity of doctrine and membership. And these things are things that we must focus on as a church in order to be approved by God. This morning I want to talk about one more thing on that list. That is the work of edification as part of the purpose of the church. That word edification itself is not a word we use every day. You might even say, well, what does it mean? Uh, you probably know, or if you speak Spanish, you would know that the word edificio in Spanish means a building. The word edification means to build something up, or to strengthen something, to, uh, to establish it, and to, to, to get it so that it is fixed and set for its purpose that it is to accomplish. Ephesians chapter 4 is the passage I want you to go to, so I ask you this morning, get your Bibles out, and let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4 together. And take a look at the language the Apostle Paul has in talking to the local church and the work that we have, the work of edification. He's in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul in chapter 3 had given us the language of God's eternal purpose for the church. And in chapter 4 he begins by speaking about the unity of the church. He then goes on to talk about the organization of the church by the verse 11, the gifts that are given to the church. Jesus himself gave some to be apostles and prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And why did he give these things? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here's that word, that special word, the edification of the body of Christ. Edifying of the body. What does edifying accomplish? Well, you go on reading there at verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, 
but speaking the truth in love may grow into all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body being knit and together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You notice edifying is the beginning and the end of that conversation. The, the work of edifying of the body of Christ and he brings it back to the end of the edifying of the body of Christ. In this context, edification is very interesting to describe for the work of the church because he's saying it's a purpose of the church but it's the members of the church that are carrying it out. In other words, it's not the idea that we are collectively all contributing to some kind of force of edification that's being done, like so many other works that we do together. He says this is a work that every single individual member of a local body is a participant of. Every one of us, he says, is, well, verse 16, by what every joint supplies, the effective working of every part. It means you, you individually, every one of you, he says, you're working together is the concept of edification. Notice he kind of described it like a, like a body, like a physical human body. And, you know, elsewhere he would say, you know, in this body that is the church, some of us are the eyes, fingers, ears, whatever it is. He says every part's going to do its part. If a part's not doing its part, what does that do to the body? Well, uh, poke your finger in your eye. You'd say, well, that, that's a bad thing. That hurts. My whole body is kind of focused on the problem of the eye. If we're not all doing our part, if we're uh, in some way not working towards edification, the whole body hurts from that. The whole body suffers in a way from that. Break your arm. And it's as though you, you lose your effort to walk or to see or things like that because it impacts you entirely. So it is the case that as the body, if one of us isn't doing our part, the whole of the body feels that. That's, that's a big idea, right? That's saying you personally are supposed to be thinking about this because the language of edification when it talks to the congregation is also talking to you personally. That if you're doing your part, which is the expectation of God for you in a church, you join yourself to a church, you're supposed to be doing your part. He says, you've got something very personal to accomplish. Well, how does that work? Personal. Uh, you know, I would kind of go back to saying, you know, he kind of talked about the idea of the, uh, here in chapter 4, uh, the working by every part, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so honestly, I want to say, what's the big idea about edification? Edification is love. How much does the church love itself? How much do the members of the church love one another? Those songs we sang this morning, like Love One Another, or The Avoidance of Angry Words, those are actually songs about edification, about your work of edification in the body of Christ. And what was important, like in that last song, for example, is it talked about the idea of how in particular your words are a big part of that process. Let me read a couple of these passages here about the work of edification. First uh, Thessalonians 5 and verse 11. He says, comfort each other and edify one another just as you were doing. Edify one another. How do you do that? Well, he said you comfort each other. In our study in Galatians this morning, and we just briefly mentioned Galatians 6.2, where he says to bear one another's burdens. That's edification. The care you show for your fellow members is your obligation of edification. 
Well, this is important to understand. Because it means that the church isn't working if you're not doing your part in that. Romans 15.2 Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. In that instance, it's kind of actually he's even taking it outside of the church as your personal work to, to try to build others up. The important point to understand is, is edification is this spiritual building up and strengthening that we're supposed to accomplish as a church reaching around one another and holding each other tight. The, the idea is, this is the glue that holds the church together, in other words. Because if we just were a collection of all the people that are going to heaven within this geographic area, could we really say we're a church family of God? It's supposed to be about the affection that we have for one another, and that that concept, that purpose in the church is the purpose of edification. Perhaps we mentioned this before, but perhaps it was this idea in Revelation chapter 2 that whenever the writer there, Jesus who is speaking and John who is writing, tells us that, uh, that the church in Ephesus, the very church that we're reading about right here, the church in Ephesus had left its first love. Perhaps the point is that a lot of the letter of the, uh, to the Ephesians is about edification. Perhaps they had ceased in their work of edification. Of having that affection for each other. Of saying the right things to one another. And he says, if you don't fix that, if you don't, he says, repent, I'll remove your candlestick. This is important that we're all a part of this. A church that's intent on building each other up. And again, we have to be careful to say, and we'll clarify this in a moment, we're talking about true spiritual edification, brings to us a certainty, an encouragement that says, for one thing, uh, if I'm being edified, my salvation becomes a lot more secure. And I can have a lot more confidence in the body that I'm in. Uh, Peter would talk in 2 Peter chapter 1 about the, uh, the importance of of following the plan and the pattern. And remember he says in chapter 1 and verse 8, he says, for if these things are yours and, and, and abound, he says, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of G- our Lord Jesus Christ. I've always liked that, 2 Peter 1.8, because he says, here's how you can be certain, you'll, you'll, he says, you'll neither be unfruitful nor be uh, barren in Christ. You're certain to bear fruit, in other words, if you apply these things. Uh, verse 10, he even adds that, therefore, brethren, be all the more certain, a diligent to make your call and election sure. In other words, be, be absolutely convinced of your salvation. If you do these things, he says, you'll never stumble. You'll never stumble. You, you can have a security of salvation if you're focused on the purposes of God. And in this sense, we'll say, here is this work of edification. If you're doing it, if others are doing it for you, you have a great deal of confidence both in your local church family and your own salvation. So it matters. It's a big deal. something you want to think about. Because who here doesn't want to be sure you're going to heaven? Who here doesn't want to be sure you're doing what's right? Well, a big part of that is the fact that you're participating in this group work that's helping each other get to heaven. That's helping us get there. What does it mean to be edified? You might say it like this. How is it that the church edifies you? Builds you up, strengthens you? Well, let me, let me kind of say that probably the most obvious way is what we're doing this morning. 
When we come together, we had a Bible study, and then we, we, we worship together. That's one of the purposes of God, to, that we gather together as a family to worship God. But this coming together in large part, a big part of what we're doing right now, is not about just the worship of God, it's also about the edification of you. The assembly is probably the chief tool of the edification of the members of the body of Christ. Uh, let's go over to Hebrews 10 real quick. Uh, it's a passage I know all of you are familiar with, but I actually want you to look at it once more with me. Hebrews 10, the Hebrew writer there talking about the, uh, the assembly of the church. I want you to see something, what he doesn't say for a second. He talks about your confidence that now in Christ you can enter uh, before God and, and you have the confidence that, that it is to be a child of God. He says you can draw near to God with a true heart, a full assurance. See what Peter was saying a second ago about the confidence you have, the full assurance. He says, verse 23, let's hold fast to the confession of our hope. This is a group talk, meaning this is to a whole group of Christians. Let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God's going to keep his in. Let's keep ours. Let's consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Boy, if I had to say, what is edification? I'd say, grab that verse right there and say, edification is considering one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now, how do you consider one another in order to stir up love and good works? Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. There's edification again. Exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, I want you to stop here for a second. We look at this verse a lot and talk about not forsaking the assembly, and we kind of think, well, that's about, you know, coming together to, to worship, to take the Lord's Supper. Was that ever a part of the conversation here? Did he ever mention the assembly partaking the Lord's Supper? You'd be right to say, well, you're not supposed to forsake that. Absolutely, of course. We're not supposed to forsake anything that we're given. But I want you to think about this for a second. He's not talking about the assembly only around the idea of the Lord's Supper. He's just talking about any time that we as a body come together with the purpose of the church. Now the problem is a lot of people kind of have a mindset to say, well, it's all about worship. We come together and it's all about worship, and if I can check that off the list, I've thought this way, maybe you have too, if I can check it off the list, got Lord's Supper done this week, check, I've, I've met my obligation to God, I'm done, you'd miss what he's actually talking about here. Because as I said, the Lord's Supper, not a part of this conversation. He's talking about coming together as a group for the purpose, verse 24, of considering one another in order to stir up love and good works. Is that just Sunday morning? And you, you'd have to admit, well, because it doesn't have to be, and in fact it doesn't say it, so no. Let's talk about all the times we come together. We, and we do it for different reasons, right? We might Sometimes we come together with the, the purpose of worship, and that, you know, 1 Corinthians 11, he says that's coming together as the church. We kind, of, we kind of use that special word of worship, but there's other times we come together, maybe in, uh, you know, in the week we come together for Bible study, or you know, we, we come together several times on Sunday uh, for different purposes. And, and the point comes down to, this is the work of edification. Fundamentally, the church is going to accomplish the work of edification by coming together 
with the purposes of building each other up. What are we doing? Oh, you know Colossians 3.16. I'm going to guess a lot of you know that by memory. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. There's edification. Teaching and admonishing one another. What are you going to do? What's the rest of that? He says, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What were you singing this morning? You know, you, we do, the Word of God does tell us that, we're, uh, that we are singing to the Lord. In fact, he goes on to say, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. But he also says, and you're admonishing one another. There's your word. It's important to sing. And we, of course, say it's important to sing because we say, well, that, yeah, that's what God wants. It glorifies God. But the work of edification is in part in singing. When we come together, you know, Sunday morning, we come together, we take the Lord's Supper, and maybe Sunday evening uh, we, uh, we don't, but you might still say we're going to sing. Wednesday night, we come together, but we're still going to sing. What's the idea here? Well, we're doing it because this is the work of edifying each other. Edifying one another. That's part of why we're coming together. When you come together, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 26 says, when you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, a revelation, interpretation. What's kind of neat about that is he's just describing any reason you come together. You, you come together to sing, you come together to study, you come together, uh, he doesn't mention the Lord's Supper, but uh, frankly I'd say you're tying this back to verse chapter 11, the Lord's Supper. He says, you come together, he says, let all things be done for edification. The one another thought of building each other up. Rooted in the idea of the love that we're supposed to have for one another. You might start to think, you know, the more you think about this, the more, and I kind of told you before how the how these different purposes, some have more of a focus than others. You might start to think, you know, I'm kind of thinking this might be the big one. I wouldn't disagree. I wouldn't disagree because fundamentally a church that is doing the right work of edifying is a church that the members are going to go to heaven. And that's what we're all here about. This is the ark, right? We've come into this place for the hope of salvation from a world that's about to be destroyed. And the successful ark is the one where the members don't want to leave it. That they're focused on helping each other to stay in it and to, uh, to overcome those, those obstacles that kind of want to draw us out from it. And getting other people on board, so to speak, uh, that work we have for each other. This is that. I want to go to heaven. I can't go to heaven if I'm not helping you go to heaven. That's the Word, that's the word of God speaking to us about the judgment day and what Christ looks at whenever he says in Matthew 25 and he's asking, what did you do for your brother? Uh, you know, did the, if you did it for the least of your brethren, you did it for me. Remember those works that he described there of taking care of each other? Jesus is saying, I'm not going to go to heaven unless I'm doing everything I can to, to help you get to heaven. I'm not fulfilling, as we said earlier, I'm not fulfilling the law of Christ. And, and if I leave something unfulfilled, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm not fulfilling the law of Christ if I'm not bearing your burdens. So we've said it before, say it again, getting to heaven is a team sport. And we can't say, well, I'm the one player. You know, uh, I, you know I'm not a, I don't know a lot about sports, but I know enough to know that if you've got a guy on the team that just thinks they're the only one that matters to play, that team doesn't work. If we're a part of the church and we say, well, I'm really the only one that matters to me, 
it's not going to work because you're not working on this purpose of edification. And hopefully we can encourage each other and work each other up. But if, imagine if we had a whole church of people like that. A whole body of people that just didn't have an affection for one another. Didn't want to see each other get to heaven. When you take communion, and this is an important idea, when you take communion, the Bible says you're declaring something as a group. You're declaring, I, I, I'm going to kind of paraphrase this, because in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says you're, de- you're proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes. But I want you to think about the fact that he says you have to take it with people to believe that way. Because what you're doing is you're saying when you took communion this morning, the people here, they're going to heaven too. Don't you think it's important that you are sure of that? That's why we say we don't just take communion anywhere with anyone. Because that communion is a proclamation. I believe, you know, I took this morning communion, I took it with, with Linda, and I'm proclaiming, Linda, I think you're going to heaven. You and I are in the fellowship, and we're, we're using this as a symbol of that fellowship. I think, you know, uh, I look at Craig, and I think, you know, Craig, you and I took that together this morning, because I believe you're going to heaven. I believe if I took communion with this, you this morning, I believe you're going to heaven. I've got to be sure about that, though, and that's that work of edification. That with love, I'm going to say, Ryan, are you doing everything you need to be doing to go to heaven? You know, Ricky, are you, is everything going to be okay? Are you, what, you know, what do you need? I'm going to look around and I'm going to say, hey, what, what do I need to do to make sure we're all going to heaven? Because that's what I proclaimed when we took this together. And so, it matters. This is a huge work. The work of edification, of, of the one another relationship that's, that's founded, ultimately, edification is to love one another. The edifying of the body, the body edifying itself for the purpose of love. That's, that's what it's all about. The assembly of the church, uh, we might say opportunity we have, uh, for example, when we study together and things like that. That's, that's to build each other up. To encourage one another. You can study the Bible on your own, but to study it together is to build one another up. Uh, Acts 20, verse 32. Here is Paul. He's talking to that church of Ephesus. Kind of interesting. We keep coming back to Ephesus. And he's telling the church in Ephesus there in Acts 20 verse 32, he's actually talking to the elders there. He says, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. you catch all that? He says, I'm going to commend you to this, the word of God. You're going to, you're going to commend this to others that builds you up Along with those who are going to receive the inheritance of grace. That's why we come together for Bible study. Somebody says, well, you know, that's not an obligation. How is it not an obligation? How is that not something that is expected of us to be a part of and to participate in? We've got to do this because this is the work of edification. Which commends us to God. Edifying others. All the things I've talked about, you might be thinking, Brian, okay, this work that we're all doing together of edifying each other, you're saying, though, that I personally have to be doing things. And, of course, what some of that we're doing is as a body. We're singing, we're coming together, we're taking communion, we're doing things that demonstrate our affection for each other. What are you doing personally? I think Paul went on to talk about that in Ephesians when, in chapter 4, he goes on just, just further from where we were, and he starts talking about how we talk to each other. But he talks a lot about how we talk to each other. He talks about anger. About controlling ourselves. And he says in chapter 4, verse 29, he says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. 
Now, how is that a statement about edification? Well, well, he goes on to say, but what is good and necessary for edification that it might impart grace to the hearers? Now, we had a, we had a great study this morning where we briefly touched the idea of the grace of God. And, and George had mentioned how Noah was you know, the first one to receive God's grace. And we said that grace was manifested by God saying, here's what you need to do to be saved. There's the manifestation of the grace of God. Notice what he says here then. That the words you speak, and let's throw it out to one another, or to all men, is what's good and necessary for edification or imparting grace to the hearers. Things that we're saying to one another. Uh, Let's just say the love that we're expressing for one another. Paul would tell the Corinthians there in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, he'd talk about their knowledge of God. He'd say, you know, concerning, uh, in this case, he'd say, concerning things sacrificed to idols. That was a relationship issue, oddly enough, right? When you read that statement, things, concerning things sacrificed to idols, you're thinking, well, that just means, you know, whether or not I can eat meat. But Paul's actually saying, this is actually about how you consider one another. He says, well, I have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant. I, I prefer when the translations say knowledge puffs up. But he says love edifies. Having the right love for one another. Now, what is love? Of course, the Bible says love is wanting the best for each other. Uh, ultimately, your desire fundamentally is about I want you to go to heaven. That's, you don't love your neighbor is yourself. You're not going to go to heaven. If you don't want them to go to heaven, if you don't want the people in this room to go to heaven, you're not going to go to heaven. Because you don't have love. Love wants the best of things. Sometimes, though, that, that wanting the best of things is, is conversations that people don't feel like are very loving. Hey, you need to get this right. That doesn't feel very loving, but that's not edification. Edification isn't a feeling. Oh, that would be a horrible thing if people thought that. And, and I've known people that thought that. People have said, oh, I don't feel very edified. Well, you shouldn't. Because edification isn't a feeling. In fact, a lot of times if you're being edified, you might feel terrible. If Dee came to me and Dee said, you know, Brian, I think, you, you know, I think you're, you're, you're doing some things that are going to hurt your chance of salvation. I think you're behaving in a way that you need to change. I, you know, I might not like that conversation, but guess what? It edified me because maybe she told me the things I need to do to make my life right. Edification utterly is not a feeling. You can't say, oh, I feel well edified by something or I didn't feel edified by something. That's, that's irrelevant, that feeling. What you're supposed to say is that, am I more now? Am I more equipped? Am I more prepared to do the right thing? Edification, he says, love edifies. Love seeks the best for others. Love is patient, it's kind, all these things. And it builds each other up. It's important that we demonstrate that love for each other because that's how this system of salvation works. But application is sometimes something they fall apart on. Maybe that's, again, yeah, maybe that's what the point was in, in Revelation 2 with Ephesus. You've left your first love. I would say that if love edifies, then you could say you've left edification. That purpose that you're supposed to be focused on towards building each other up, you've lost it. Churches lose that sometimes. They lose that the purpose, uh, in large part, that they have, one of those purposes, is building each other up. And they start to say things like, well, let's build each other up for good feelings. 
you know, churches that kind of move into entertainment or to, you know, uh, uh, that positive affirmation that has no substance or, you know, churches that just move off into things that people enjoy doing as entertainment. All of those things are, are, are self-destructive. They're like eating tons of, uh, of, of junk food and nothing healthy, so to speak, because what they're doing is they're denying you the, the substances that you need to survive. And churches lose those purposes and start focused on, I don't know, uh, good feelings. Or, or in the end, they move away from the importance of actually getting into the Word of God and saying, here's, here's how it applies to your life and, and encouraging us to make changes in our lives because that's what we're doing. Every one of us is trying to encourage each other to make changes in our life that make us more successful in service to God. And that's not always easy. When we lose that direction, in lots of places, lots of times people do, you cease to fulfill the purpose of God. And suddenly, the ark becomes not a, not a place of salvation, but a pleasure cruise that really, when it realized it's not very pleasurable, everybody leaves. Number one, churches fail because the church loses the purpose. But number two, maybe it's because the members lose it too. Maybe it's you and I. And I was trying to think, how would I use, what word would I use to describe my own cease to desire to edify? I no longer want to reach out and I don't want to, I don't want to edify Cindy anymore. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to reach out and I don't want to edify Mar anymore. What's going on here? In the end, that lack of love is because I've, I've come to love myself more. And, and the opposite of love in many ways is selfishness. And what people start to look for is they say, well, when I really wanted a church all about me. So I told you several years ago I was on Craigslist kind of trying to see if I couldn't provoke some, you know, under religious discussions, see what people had to say. You know, some people were saying, hey, I'm looking for a church. I just moved to the area. And, you know, they listed all things they wanted in a church. They wanted to be exciting, have a great program for this, this thing and that thing. And I said, well, what about a church that, that's going to, you know, focus on helping you get to heaven? Or a church that gives you opportunities to serve one another? And they said, why would I want that? A lot of people say, I just want a church all about me and making me happy. And, and if, I, you know, if, I, if I like this or not, it's not about what I'm doing for others. One of our presidents a long time ago said, ask not what your country does for you, ask what you can do for your country. That was a great statement. That was, that was a fantastic statement. It's a fantastic statement for the Lord's church, too, that we're about asking what we can do for one another, not what others can do for us. But sometimes you get selfish and you start thinking, well, what about me? What can I get out of this? And when that becomes the conversation, you've missed the mark. And you're sinking. And, and, and the worst thing is, ironically, the edification of a church that would reach out and help pull you in is not going to be there because you've gone somewhere else. You've gone looking for something else. And it's all about you. And, and it's not going to work. It's a team sport. And the team player that says, it's all about me and my glory and uh, my getting the most hits or the most catches or whatever it might be, that person destroys the team because of that mindset. So, what do you take away from this? Let me give you a couple of things I want you to think about the, the so what kind of moments. Uh, I like Lamar always says that. Lamar always says the so what kind of moment. Uh, that that's, that's a pertinent thing. I want you to think about the so what moments. Number one, here's what I want you to do. As a member of a body of Christ, you need to pursue edification for yourself, being built up through the work of the church. 
That means anytime the church is coming together, you say, you know what, I'd sure like to be a part of that because that's going to help me get to heaven. And that's going to help me help others get to heaven, by the way, just by being there. We're encouraging one another all the more as we see that day approaching. That first part leads directly to the second thing you need to understand is the work that you've got to pursue to do your part to serve the body of Christ, to serve one another, because that's one of the purposes of the church. The edifying itself in love, to grow itself by every member doing its part. Let's take a second and let's go to our Heavenly Father in a word of prayer about these things. Would you, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Holy Father in Heaven, we come to you in prayer, giving thanks for the few minutes of time that we have had today to come together, and considering this morning the importance of what it means to do the work of edification, of building one another up for the purpose of our salvation. Father, this morning we've studied your word and we've seen that this purpose that you have given to the church to to grow us for this important work is something each one of us is doing. We're doing it, Father, just by being here this morning. Help each one of us to see that and realize how important it is that we're together, that we're accomplishing this for one another. Help each one of us to understand how important it is that we do love one another and seek the best for each other and desire to encourage one another to be faithful so that we might all go to heaven. Father, we pray that if there is weakness in us, each one of us personally, that you'll help us to overcome it. And that, Father, as a body that we'll help each other to overcome, that we'll bear the burdens that we each have, the burdens that sometimes drag us down, so that we can fulfill the law of Christ. Father, be with us in this new week. Give us more opportunities to edify one another and to serve you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Every time we're together, we talk about what it means to have the opportunity to be a part of the church that Jesus built. How does somebody become a part of the church that Jesus built? Well, uh, in that universal sense of things, we understand in the New Testament there is a plan given to us, a pattern revealed of how men, first of all, heard the Word of God and they believed it, and then with their mouth they confessed that belief that Jesus is Lord, confessing in that, in that confession that that He had died for our sins, and that by being resurrected, He ascended to the right hand of God, and now He's the head of the church. Repenting by turning away from sin, being baptized in water, which is to be born again. Emerging to walk in Christ. When we're born again, we're added to the church. And the thing we talked about this morning is being a part of that church is the work that we do for one another. But at the same time, we're... We're avoiding worldliness and walking faithfully. Every time we're together, we, we always say, does somebody not yet obey that gospel of Jesus Christ? We, we want to help you do it. We want to encourage you to do it. Like I said, we're in the ark and we want people to come aboard. Because this is the place, the church that Jesus built. Not this building, not even just this congregation, but the, uh, but the concept of the kingdom of heaven. This is the place that was built for salvation and this is the only place it will be found. You've got to come through the door that is Jesus Christ, being obedient in baptism, baptized into Christ. Then we want to encourage you to stay on board. We want to edify one another. We want to build each other up. We want to warn one another of the dangers out in the world. So this morning, if you need to be joined to the body of Christ, we want to talk to you about that. If you're in the body of Christ and you're struggling with something, we've got to bear that with you. We've got to help you. 
Because that's part of our going to heaven too. So if there's anything that we've said that provokes you for either the need to be obedient or the need to, to bear burdens, you obviously you can visit with us after services. Maybe you need to do something right now. And if you do, why don't you just come up here and visit with me while we stand and while we sing a song of encouragement.